from TLC. Love you guys. Uh, uh, we got a good word for you guys today. Our theme for this coming, or this series actually is called what? Making room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus. And the, the idea is this. This coming, this past year, our, our, big, uh, our big push was going beyond security, right? Your faith in action that Wherever you're located, wherever you're placed, God is calling us to be game changers of that place. He's saying that the, the fact that you are in there, it should literally change and flourish the family that you're with, the community that you're in, your neighborhood, your workplace, your, your school. Your presence should bring a transformation to that place, right? Uh, and that's the hope. The hope is that as, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, that we are making impact wherever we are going. But I understand the reality of life often, right? Is that we are distracted with things that we got to do. We're distracted with responsibilities and jobs and work, family and school. So in the midst of our distraction, we oftentimes do not make room for Jesus. And this is not a series telling you to make room for Jesus as an accessory, but that making room for Jesus in your whole day-to-day life. And so I want to share with you guys um, how to kind of renew your mind, change your attitude, work on these areas, so that way when you're engaging in your distracted life, every area of your distracted life, you're able to make room for Jesus. That he's there engaging, working with you, changing you, transforming your identity to become more and more like him, refining you, moving you, growing you, right? And so we've talked about a few things. We talked about making room for Jesus uh, because you are a chosen people. Everyone look at the person next to you and say, you, we are chosen. What does that mean? We are chosen. Because you are chosen, because the Bible and its doctrine says you are elected by God's grace, it means this. It means that in the middle of your distracted life, when you deal with people and you find yourself in a position where you feel that you're somehow superior or inferior to people, you go back and you remember that we are chosen. We are chosen by God's grace and God's election. That means this. That means that you can never look at somebody and think that you're better. Why? Because he chose you. There was nothing good about you. And there was, there was, there was nothing, no reason, no, no um, leverage for why he should have chosen you, and yet he chose you anyway. So how could you then look at somebody and think of you yourself better or less than them while you go about your daily life? How could you go into school and somehow feel that you're better than in their education or worse than them in your education? Or when you're working, that somehow you are better than those guys because you produce more and those guys are worse because they don't produce as much? How could you do that when you know that before God, as a witness before God, as you stand before God, you have nothing to boast to him about? It changes the way you are. And when you do that, you're making room for Jesus. We talked about Trusting Jesus is a way of making room for Jesus. Look at the person next to you and say, we trust Jesus. Right? It's not we trust Jesus and something. Okay? If you say, I trust Jesus and my work to get me through life, then the reality is, is you trust your work. Okay? If you say, I trust Jesus and my husband or my wife or my boyfriend or my girlfriend to make me feel pretty good about myself, then the reality is it's not that you trust Jesus, it's that you trust your relationship to make you feel good about yourself. If you say, I trust Jesus, but, you know, my, my money is what's going to pay the rent, then you're not really trusting Jesus. What you're trusting in is your financial um, benefits or your financial blessings to get you through life, right? The way we begin to say that we're making room for God in our life, or Jesus in our life, is that there is an actual trust 
him. We are, we are transferring the trust that we have from one thing to him. We're laying it down before him. We're not, we're not, we're not clinging to the other. Those things are important. Relationships are important. Work is important. School is important. Money is important. But they are not our God, and they do not rule us, or do they have power over us. Well, they do have power over us. We should not have that, right? Jesus becomes the sole area of our trust. Last week I talked about making room for Jesus. It looks something like this. It means that oftentimes we misrepresent Jesus. We always talk about him as love, the God is love. We represent him as our Savior, but we forget that he's also our Lord. Everyone look at each other and says, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. You know what that means? That means that if he is your Lord, then there's a sense of obedience that must happen out of that. There's a sense of change. If you are a Christian, there's no way a Christian does not deal with the areas of immaturity in that Christian's life. Every Christian has an area of immaturity. And if you use your area of maturity to cover up your areas of maturity, you're never going to grow. Right? And you're not saying that God is your, Jesus is your Lord. You're just saying he's your Savior. So wherever he's calling us, hey, this is the area where we need you to change. We need you to actually grow towards more like him. That's you telling us, you're, you're, you're seeking to say, Jesus, you're not just my Savior, and I love you, but you're also my Lord, and I will serve you, and I will obey you. But you are my Lord. If you find yourself stuck in a place where you've been a Christian for so long and you haven't grown, you find yourself really having really experienced this deeper relationship where people always talk about with Jesus Christ, the reality is it's probably because you haven't step into the area of obedience to him. You step into the area of Savior, that's what probably got you here. That's what probably got, got you the, 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 the inkling, the remembrance of how good he is, but you haven't stepped into the area of obedience to show and to say, let me take you deeper. Let me grow you. Let me change you. Okay? A Christian can never stay stagnant. They can grow slowly, but they will always be growing. And if you're not growing, if you're not changing you got to really ask the question, is Jesus really my Lord? You guys get me so far? That's, that's the journey we've been on. Uh, today I want to share with us an is, uh, another issue. How do we make Jesus our Lord? And it comes from this idea that we are constantly in our distracted life living in a courtroom. The courtroom of social, public, and private opinion. You know what I'm talking about? It's the courtroom of social, public, and private opinion. Well, we are so worried about what others think of us, or well, we're so worried about what we think of ourselves. Today, I want to I give you guys the ability for you guys to really say, because I know you guys say, a lot of you guys say, I don't care what people think about me. You may say that, but I'm not sure if you actually mean it. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you Paul saying it and how he actually means it and knows it, right? You may say it, but I'm going to kind of open up your thought a little bit to show you that you may say that you don't care, but in reality, you might actually be more caring than you know. And I want you guys to come to a place that in your distracted life, you are actually free from the courtroom of public opinion and private opinion, that you're not driven by them or tossed back and forth by them, okay? You know, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, the courtroom of public opinion, where if they, if, if, uh, if everyone loves you or they think well of you, you feel boasted up, you feel pretty good about yourself. But then if, if, you, if everyone kind of hates you, you feel kind of uh, detracted, you feel kind of broken, you feel like you're beating yourself up over why did I do that or why, why can't I be better, right? That, that pendulum that you swing back and forth all the time, that's the courtroom of public opinion. Let me give you a, a story. Uh, I was reading up on uh, some articles and um, 
There was this one uh, Instagram influencer, okay? Instagram influencer. He has racked up millions of followers because he's a vegan, right? He's a hardcore vegan. And a vegan, they don't even drink milk, right? Because it comes from animal products. Okay, a vegan pretty much says only vegetable, vegetable stuff, only things that are grown from the earth, I guess, right? but they do not even think, take things that come from an animal. So this, this influencer who has amassed millions of followers, who has amassed millions of uh, sponsorship, who when she says, hey guys, you should buy this, everyone goes out who follows it and goes and buys it. So she, she helps company make money. She is an influence. She has a lot of reputation. She's doing great. And everyone who follows her, the comments are always like, you're so inspiring. You're so amazing. I can't believe you're living the life I really want to live. You make me want to be better. And you, you hear all of these positive comments and you can imagine her life feeling, I'm doing things. I'm changing the game. I'm influencing people's lives. People love me. Now, story goes on, okay? This vegan, she realized that her, her, her diet was not giving her enough of the nutritional values that she needed, and she was actually getting sick. And so she began to cheat. She began to start eating eggs and fish. But at first, she said she did it secretly because she didn't want her followers to know that she's no longer a purist in terms of veganism, right? She didn't want her followers to, she, she, would, she would buy the food and she would take it home and she will make sure that she'll go somewhere where they will not recognize her or some, some weird ghetto store somewhere, get the food and come back and eat at home and cook at home so no one can see her because she's afraid that if they see her, their opinions of her will change. And she, she felt guilty too as she was eating meat, uh, or uh, these meat products that she's been saying that it's horrible and it's bad, right? Eventually, I guess the guilt overwhelmed her, okay? When she was being praised by everyone, she felt pretty good about it, but here she is now living in her own guilt, and it began to beat her up, like literally eat her from the inside out. And she went on Instagram wholeheartedly, sincerely, with love, with passion, explaining the, her, her, her sickness, her problem, and saying, I ate meat. And do you think that her followers, what do you think the response of her followers were? Were they compassionate and caring and saying, I believe you, it's okay? They destroyed her, right? They literally destroyed her. They said, you're a fraud, you're fake. I can't believe we followed you. Who are you? You've ruined us. You're a horrible human being. Destroyed her. They went from, they went from inspired to destruction. And she went from being puffed up to being broken down. And she was on this pendulum. It is the pendulum of public, social, and private opinion. She was in that courtroom, and she could not get out. She lived her life dancing from one pendulum, swing to the other pendulum. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That is the place we want to talk about. And this, is, this issue, guys, this issue about um, uh, the food thing, it's, it's not a... Um, it's not in, uh, a pride issue, it's not an image issue, it's not even a, a passion issue. The issue that goes on, the reason why you're in this pendulum swing, the issue here is a spiritual issue, it's an identity issue. It's an identity issue. The reason why, if you find yourself on a pendulum like this, it is because it is an identity issue. And we're going to talk about identity, we're talking about what it means to misplace your identity, what's the true identity, okay? 
How do we walk with that? All right, open your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul founded this church a long time ago. He, he is a church in Corinth. Um, he loved this church. This church, uh, the city of Corinth was kind of like the metropolis city. It was like New York, Hollywood, L.A. of the time. Cultural diverse, religiously diverse. People were all over the place. There were, there were uh, higher class people, lower class people. Everyone was here. Everyone wanted to come in, make money, because there was a huge booming economy there. It was a very, very big city. And Paul in, somehow went to the city, and he founded a church. And over a few years after he founded it, this church basically just went and went crazy. And they turned on him. They, became, they, they actually ended up hating him. Okay? This church began to uh, start, instead of being free in the gospel, what happened was they started living in this kind of pendulum swing themselves. Some of them were boasting about how gifted they were. Some of them could speak in tongues and had all these like, spiritual gifts. Some of them felt pretty dumb because they couldn't do it, right? Some of them were kind of critical, like uh, maybe I'm not as spiritual as the other people. And they, they, they had this problem going back and forth, back and forth. They weren't loving each other. Some of them were saying, well, I follow a true teacher. His name is Apollos. His name is Cephas. The other one said, well, I, I follow this dude named Pete Paul. So they were boasting on, on one, uh, whoever they, they, they were affiliated with versus another person who may not be that high on the list. They were constantly in this pendulum swing. And Paul is saying this swing is because your identity is off. You are being, you're allowing the court of public opinion, social opinion, even the church opinion to dictate how you respond and live. And Paul begins to write and says, I am judged by no man. I do not even judge myself. I am a servant of Christ. I am given God's work, and my job is to do that. He is going to declare to them, I don't care what people think. And I know we love to say that. Say, I don't care either, PT. This message is not for me. I don't think so. I think somewhere in your heart you do care. And let me share with you how I know that, okay, as we break this down. Open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read uh, just five verses. Let me get us there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. You guys don't have the Bible because follow along up there. It goes like this. So then... Men ought to regard us as servant of Christ. So you should look at me as servant of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. That's who I am. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. And at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today as we begin to examine our distracted life, the one thing that we begin to see is how often we find ourselves in the courtroom of public, social, and private opinion. How often, Father God, we are pushed back and forth on this pendulum swing of pride, and brokenness, critical and uplifting. We're constantly moving back and forth. And I pray over this church and over the people who are here that, God, that you would bring us freedom this day, that, God, that you would show us how to remove ourselves from this courtroom and to be free. And I pray, oh, God, that our identity will be restored in you and only in you, oh, God. Guide us this day. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, convict us. Move us until, Father, there is action in our lives. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Okay? 
The church of Corinth, they were constantly boasting and they were constantly critical of one another. They were priding themselves on who they follow and judging others on who those guys follow, okay? And Paul steps in and he says, let me give you an illustration. He says in verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. And what Paul is saying here is this, I don't care about public opinion, but he uses the illustration of a courtroom. He uses the illustration of a courtroom to help us understand this because he knows the human spirit and he knows the human mind. He knows this. He knows that when you go to sleep at night, oftentimes you play this game with yourself. You don't play maybe out loud, or right? if you do, you maybe have a bigger problem than you know, right? But you play in this kind of like a mental um, mindset in the background where you're constantly asking yourself the question, have I made it today? Did I make it? Did I do what was right? Did I actually accomplish what I was supposed to do? Before the people I'm around, do I feel like I'm actually uh, successful? Do I, have, do I feel like I've made it in terms of relationship? Do I feel like I've got there? And if you did good that day, if things went well, you're like, yeah, things are good today. You know, I got the A. You know, I, 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 had this, I have a great relationship. Things are looking there pretty good. I think I'm all right, right? But sometimes you're on the other side of the courtroom where you're trying to defend yourself and you realize you can't have any, you have no evidence to defend yourself with. You're realizing... I screwed up. Why did I say that, right? What is my boss's opinion of me now? How could I do that in the first place? Now I'm so screwed. And we're, we're constantly either making a case for our approval or we're making a, trying to make a defense for why we messed up. And we're constantly swimming back and forth, back and forth. You're always on trial with yourself, right? I know you feel this. I know, I know you think this. I know, I know you don't maybe sit out there by yourself and say, am I on trial, God, right? But you're constantly thinking about it. You're constantly either trying to prove yourself or feeling bad that you didn't make it enough, right? You're always on trial. You're always in the courtroom. Let me give you an example, okay? I have a friend from the Midwest, okay? He's an Asian guy, but he grew up with a lot of um, Caucasian families, right? And so my best friend, he's, uh, he's, 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 a, he, my friend is a, he's a weeb. He likes anime, right? And so this guy comes over and he said, like, Hey, man, I love anime too, right? And, and my friend's like, oh, cool, you know? And so he starts playing, you know, I think we were watching like, um, like Demon Slayer. We were watching the, the, the new one. I don't know, right? But we were watching, and then my, the, the, the guy from the Midwest says, does, does this have dubbed, right? And my best friend looked over and he's like, dubbed? Dubbed? <laughs> like, you say you like, you, you, don't, you don't like anime. You're not a purist. You're not a purist, man. You don't know what you're dubbed. Like, I, and I was sitting there, I was like, man, I've always watched dub my whole life because I hung out with my buddy the whole, my whole life, so I, that's all I knew. So I was, uh, I was like, um, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, when they, they dub, they don't have the words, but they use English. And dude, my buddy looks at him, he's like, dude, like, like, like there's like this judgment in his eyes. Dubbed? Uh, no, man, this sub. This is how they do it, okay? And the, kid, the guy, I, I, I felt kind of bad because he, he, he felt kind of dumb. He's like, oh, okay, right? But you know what's funny, right? He felt so bad about it, right, that he started watching anime with subbed, right? He started watching. You know why he did that? He's in a courtroom, right? <laughs> a public opinion, right? If you say you're an anime fan and you watch dubbed anime, you're not really an anime fan, right? Oh, some of you guys in the background, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell that fool, watch sub subs, right? You're in the courtroom, a public opinion. You're so caught up in what people think about you that you change 
because they would think better of you, right? It's the pendulum swing. I'll give you an example, right? Uh, I had a friend who, when she posts an Instagram post, she says, if I don't get at least, at least a thousand likes, I'm taking the Instagram post down. I'm like, bro, if I get 30, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty good today, right? Like, I have 30 friends. Oh, my gosh, right? Where did that come from, you know? But, like, but I was like, uh, but I was thinking, like, why? Why is that so important that if you don't even get 1,000, you would actually take it down? And he's like, because it's probably bad. That's why they don't like it. I said, what do you mean? It, it, looks, it looks like every other post you make. He's like, no, no, no. There's a reason why they did not like this. That's why I didn't get the 3,000 or at least 1,000 likes. I only got, like, 300. I was like, what's bad about it? Tell me. Like, probably the shadow, right? It's like the wrong angle. I was two degrees off or something. It was like, maybe, they, maybe it wasn't like the right filter. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was like, but they were telling me this. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess, you know. And then when they put the right picture up, gets a thousand likes, I'm keeping that one. You know why? She's like that. Courtroom, public opinion, right? It's important of how she felt, what they thought about her. Because if they didn't give up, up to a thousand likes, they may think like, oh, this picture is not good. She's not good. Or she's not pretty in this picture. So therefore, she got to change. You guys following me? You guys, you, guys, you guys getting the picture here, right? I'll give you another one, okay? We're constantly on trial, okay? This is, and we're constantly on trial because either it's our family that puts us on trial, right? Our, 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 our relationship that puts us on trial, our, our, our school, our work that puts us on trial. We're constantly trying to go back and forth on this pendulum, making a case for our success and feeling bad when we don't, okay? One example of this, right? On Friday, I picked up my son, Seth, right, from, from after school, and he wanted to play a little bit. So I was like, sure, go play. So I was sitting on the playground. I usually don't do anything. I just sit there. And then his, one of his buddies that he really likes, like he always talks about, he, um, he comes up to me. He says, like, uh, Seth's uh, da uh, daddy, right? I'm really fast. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And so I, you know, so I was just going to play around with the kid. I was like, how fast are you? He's like, I'm super fast. I'm like, oh, okay. How about you run there and come back and I'll time you? He's like, yeah, okay. Right? So the guy's like, I'm ready. And so he runs, super, he runs, he comes back, and I was like, 12.4 seconds. Whoa, man, you are fast. I was, I was talking to a kid. I, was, I, was, I thought I was being encouraging. I thought I was being loving. And so in comes my son, and he sees me, like, praising this kid. And he says, what about me, Daddy? What about me? I was like, man, you run like your mom. Dude. I don't know how fast you're going to go, bro. <laughs> like, uh, I, was like, right. I was like, oh, you want to do it? He's like, yeah, I'll do it too. Daddy. I was like, okay. Right? And so I was like, ready, set, go. And he runs. He comes back, and it's like 14 seconds. I'm like, oh, 14 seconds. Woohoo, right? And he was like, hmm, I can do it again, right? And, you know, because his buddy was like, see, I'm super fast, right? <laughs> and he's like, I can do it again, Daddy. I was like, oh, you sure? He's like, yeah, you look kind of tired. He's like, I can do it again. It's okay. So he's like, he gets ready. He's like, all right. He's like, go. And he runs. He does, you know, just like, just like his hands like this. Yeah, I got it. Comes back. And, you know, it's like 13.8. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you got better. You beat it by 0.2 seconds. I was, again, trying to be encouraging. But now I was thinking to myself, yeah, you're kind of slow, man, right? And then he was like, Daddy, I can do it again, right? I was like, dude, you are not an anime character. The more you try does not mean you get better here, okay? You're going to get worse, right? And so he's like, I can do it. So he, he does it like five times. Right? And the fifth time, I felt so bad. I literally stopped, started the clock late. And I was like, oh, 12.2, yay, right? He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, yes. He's like, breathing, he's dying. I, I finally did it, Daddy. I was like, I'm fast. I was like, yeah, you're fast, man. Then his buddy says, I can beat him, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And he says, let me do it. Let me try it again. So his buddy runs and comes back and literally, because this time I didn't keep time. Like, Seth kept the time. He's like, oh, 11 seconds. 
And he looks at me, he gets the phone, he's like, he's walking around, he's, he comes back, he says, I can do it, daddy, right? <laughs> I was like, bro, man, I was like, look, 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 I'm not going to praise you guys anymore. You guys both, and, and, and so this long story short, like, you know, they were just constantly going back and forth. And finally, I was like, yeah, we got to go. I said, daddy, like, I can do it. You're like, give me, give me another challenge. Like, okay, all right. Finally, this little girl comes along, right? And she was like, I want to try, right? I said, okay, let's have anyone else but these two, right? And she did it, right? She ran. She came back. It was like nine seconds. She was so fast, right? <laughs> right? She was so fast. And both the boys were like, okay, let's go home, daddy. <laughs> All right? Oh, like, oh, man. You know, but I felt bad. I felt, I felt a little bad, you know, because I, I, I know, I knew the reason why he, he fought so hard to get fast was because he was in the courtroom of his father's opinion, right? I praised his best buddy, and he wanted the same praise. Right? And he couldn't get there, and so he just felt bad and bad each time until he finally got, the beat. He got, he got to the point where he can justify, now, Daddy, now will you praise me, right? I, I felt a little bad about it, but I was thinking, man, this life, bro, this is how you're going to have to deal with you know, things around you. But I realized, you know, it was a good example because we are in a courtroom of public opinion aren't we? We're always trying to perform. We're always trying to build up favor for ourselves, right? And hopefully in the end, we get the verdict that is good for us. And the worst part of it is this, is that you are never at ease. You never know when it's enough. You never know when you actually make it, because the moment you thought you make it, you feel like, I finally got the, you have a breathing room for maybe five seconds before you realize you're still not good enough, right? You start asking questions. Am I raising my kids right? What do people think of me? How come I'm not financially stable yet? Why do they have a house and a nicer car and I haven't had one yet? Do you know why you're never at ease? It's not because of what people think. It's your pride that's calling attention to who you are. It's your pride that keeps telling you you're never, you're never there. You haven't made... The, the, the journey yet, you haven't, you haven't got to what you, you, where, where you need to be. It's telling, your pride is telling you you don't look good enough. Your pride is telling you, you um, so-and-so thinks you're not great. Your pride is telling you you're, what you're wearing, what you're driving, the type of parent you are, who you are, right, is not good enough, right? You don't, you don't often realize the issue until a public opinion comes in and tells you about it. Let me give you an example. Like sometimes, some of us growing up, brothers, we don't really know that we smell, right? Until like someone tells us, bro, you smell, okay? And so out of kind of like that shame, we start doing what? With cologne. We didn't know how, to, how much is too much, but we start like spraying the axe all over, right? And then we come in and we're like, whoa, you really smell now. Like what is that? Because you're so, you're caught up in that public opinion. What never crossed your mind growing up, your mama never uh, made fun of you for smelling, or your, your family never made fun of you for smelling, but you're outside in the courtroom of public opinion, you're with someone, you, you, you see a girl that you like, or you're with a group of people that you like, and they look at you and they say, you smell. And all of a sudden, you find yourself caught up in that courtroom, and you're swinging back and forth. You never know what it is until it's an issue, Right? Never, most of you guys don't ever know you have a financial problem until someone comes up to you and says, that's all you make? Right? Or you can't afford that? 
okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. You can't buy that burger? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right? You never knew that you were poor until someone told you you're poor. Right? And now all of a sudden you're in that courtroom of public opinion. What do they think of me? Right? How many of you guys had a friend growing up in high school and he wore the same shirt every single day? Right? And you're thinking, yeah, me too. You know? And, you, and you're constantly thinking like, like, do they have like 10 pairs of that same shirt? Like, did they, does his mom just buy the exact same shirt 10 times? Right? And you're, and you're there placing him in this courtroom of public opinion. What do you think he's thinking? I know I'm in this courtroom of public opinion, but I can't get out of it. So he's not boasting himself up. He's actually being, beating himself down over and over, right? Over and over. You know, we're constantly trying to rub shoulders with people to make us feel better. I remember in high school, right? You guys ever try to affiliate yourself with somebody so that way you, you, you feel like you're, you're, you're a higher class than you really are or you're higher standard than you really are? I remember in high school, I, have a, I grew up, I had Cousin Jeff, right? Cousin Jeff was the black, black, black sheep of the family. Like, he is, he is, he is, he is the guy that is like, you know, everyone just wants to avoid because he's scary, okay? He's a scary dude, and things are, things never go according to the law when he's around or something, you know? But I remember, I remember Cousin Jeff had a good rep wherever he went with people. And he went to the same school that I eventually went to, okay? So I remember as a freshman kid in high school, I walked into the senior circle, okay? He, he just graduated. I walked into the senior circle. And they were like, are you lost? I was like, no. I said, are you, are you a senior? Are you new here? I was like, I'm a freshman. Are you lost, right? They give me that all attitude. It's like, no, I'm not lost, right? Like, who do you think you are? I'm cousin Jeff. I'm like, cousin, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff's my cousin, right? He's like, who? Jeff Quad, my cousin. And they're like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 he's cool. Bring him in, right? And I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, that's right. You know, and all my freshman friends were like, what? I want to be in that circle. And I'm like, sorry, guys. Jeff's cousin, right? Until they all, gra- all the seniors graduated and no one knows my, my cousin anymore. And then I tried to get back out. And they were like, where's your cousin now, huh? Right? And then I was like, pushed back down to nobody, okay? We're always trying to do that because we're always in the courtroom of public opinion. We're swinging one side to the next. Always. Don't you? Don't you feel that way? How about this? Some of you, if someone's come up, uh, someone comes up to you, okay? And tells you something like this, hey, you know, I don't, I don't really like myself. I don't really feel comfortable who I am. I don't really like myself. What is usually the go-to answer to someone who says that? You know, I don't, I don't really like the way I look. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I, I just, I'm just not like that. What is the go-to positive attitude answer that you usually give to someone like that? You say something like this, right? Probably this is you too, so think about this. You say, it's not about what people think about you. It's about what you think about you. You're awesome. You're great. You got to see that. Know that. Right? It's about what you think about you. You know what you just did there? You, you, you thought you helped them. You didn't help them. You know what you did? You just moved their courtroom for them. Right? They were in a courtroom where they were around people who kept thinking that they were, this person was not good enough and she felt not good enough. And now she put into a courtroom where it's like, hey, I want to hang with you. You know, you make me feel pretty good, you know, until you don't. Right? You make me feel pretty good. I feel pretty lifted up by you. You just changed the courtroom. You, you didn't help them. You, you know that? You know why? Because you try to fix the symptom. The issue is what? Identity. The 
The problem with all of this issue, the problem of going back and forth, back and forth, it is not an issue. Those are symptoms that come out of it. The real issue of why you go back and forth is that you do not know your identity or you've misplaced your identity in something else that constantly shifts all the time. You misplace your identity in um, the value of how successful things are. That I am only somebody if I am successful. And when you get to that place where you think you're successful, you realize that that ladder keeps going up because you're rubbing shoulders with different people and you're saying, I'm not that successful as I thought. When you make your first, when you, when you, when you, were, when you were a broke high school kid, right, you thought to yourself, man, if I only can get a job right, that pays 15 bucks an hour, I'm going to live large, right? Now that you're in college, you're a young adult, you're 15 bucks an hour, that can't even pay for my gas, right? I need to make, but when you were in high school, what? That was success, wasn't it? And you, when you got there, it wasn't. You know why? Misplaced identity. When you think to yourself that if I would get this person to love me or be with me, then everything would work itself out. You place your value into your identity in a personal relationship, and when that does not work out, what happens? You come out and you realize this person is not as perfect as I thought they were. And you start looking, maybe there's something better for me. When you put your identity in your children or your family, and then they end up growing up and leaving you, right? What happens? You, put, you misplace your identity in something else. Why are we so critical or why are we so boastful? It's when we misplace our identity, we fall victim to the courtroom. The moment you have your identity in anything, when you've misplaced your identity, the one place you land yourself in right away is the courtroom of public and private opinions. You guys get that? When you do not know your identity, when you are misplacing your identity, you are constantly throwing yourself into this courtroom over and over and over again. That's why Paul kept saying, I am not judged by any human court. Because he knows humanity constantly lives in this courtroom. Some of you guys seek to be rich, right? Nothing wrong with being rich. Christians are allowed to be rich. Let me just throw that out to you. Christians are allowed to be rich, okay? But you sought to be rich because you no longer want to be known as the poor kid. You sought to be rich because your whole life, your identity was in how much money. So you sought it to change your identity, but you Putting yourself in what? Into a courtroom. Trying to build up a case for yourself. Am I finally rich? Have I finally made it? Because if I'm not, I'm this poor kid, I'm nobody, and you're constantly beating yourself up. Either you boast yourself, you lift yourself up, or you're beating yourself down. Some of you guys seek to be honored, to be known, for your name to be known, right? Nothing wrong with being famous, nothing wrong with being honored, but you sought to be honored because you no longer want to live in the shadows of those around you. Right? You don't want to live in the shadows of those who you've been compared to your whole life. Oftentimes, siblings have this problem, yes? Right? You're constantly compared to your more successful sibling. Right? Or if you're, if you're the unsuccessful sibling, you're constantly being compared to, or you're constantly broken down, you're thinking like, my family only loves this one. They're the, that one's the golden child. I'm the nobody. Right? Over and over. Some of you guys are in jobs you don't like because of misplaced identity or going about trying to look uh, like uh, uh, a certain uh, beauty figure, 
right? You're trying to look like a certain shape or a certain size or a certain, or, uh, you're trying to live to the standard of the beauty of this time. And when you get there, you feel pretty good about yourself. And when you don't, you beat yourself up. Do you realize that misplaced identity always leads to one conclusion? You know what that is? It's never enough. It's never enough. No matter how much you strive to attain that identity, it is never enough. Right? Paul is saying to the church, do you know what you're going through? It's not a financial issue. It's not an image issue. It's not a... Um, it's not any other issue. This is a spiritual issue that we always got to wrestle with. It's we always ask the question, what is my identity? Do I really know my identity? Right? My um, last, uh, during the leadership retreat, my mentor, he, he shared a story about how his, um, his son, he took his son out for, for, for lunch or something, and his son uh, was a klutz, and he dropped his phone or he dropped the food or with the spilled ketchup onto the ground, Right? And the first thing this father said was, you idiot, right? How could you? And his younger son starts stepping into the ketchup and he starts getting all, and he's like, my God, you're, and he said, okay, this is what I did. What's wrong with me, right? You know, some of the opinions that people say was like, you shouldn't have said that. You should have encouraged him. You should have given positive reinforcement, right? You know what the problem with saying all that stuff is? You're putting yourself into a courtroom, now he's t- asking the question, what makes me a good dad and what makes me a bad dad, right? So if I, if I follow your opinion of all of this, does that make me a good father now? Or if I don't do that, does that make me a bad father, right? You're back in that courtroom going back and forth, back and forth. The issue is not what you did. The issue is why you did it. You know why he did that? Because he forgot his identity. He forgot his actual identity. You don't fix people by telling them to go to a different courtroom. You get people to question what's going on by asking them, what is your identity? What do you put your identity in? Where have you misplaced your identity? Don't fix the symptom. Fix the cause, right? You guys get me? It's the identity that drives the person. Now, Paul is saying this. Paul is saying, I am judged by no man. I don't even judge myself. I don't judge by, I'm not judged by a human courtroom. I don't care what people think because my identity is not placed in those areas, okay? What does he say? Look at verse 3 and 4, or verses 1 and 2. This is what Paul says. Where is my identity? Where is my identity? So then, men ought to regard us. He says, me, people like me, Right? Regard me. How should you see me? Am I the teacher? Am I the pastor? Am I the leader? Is my identity based in how well the church is doing? Is my identity based in how well I preach? How should you identify me? This is what he says. So then men ought to regard us as what? Servants of who? Christ. And as those entrusted with the secret things of who? God. He says, I am a servant. I'm not your servant. I am the servant of God. That is my identity. That's where I Come, whoever is going to evaluate me is not you. You are not my evaluator. You are not my end all. The one who determines who I am is God himself. Therefore, I am not judged by you. I am not judged by human opinion or the courtroom of, 
of a, a public opinion or private opinion. I am judged by no man. I don't even judge myself. God is my evaluator because my identity is in Jesus, right? Verse 3 and 4 says this, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. And so now some of you guys are who may be paying attention, you're thinking, whoa, PT, you just moved the courtroom too, right? You moved the courtroom from everything else into the courtroom of God, right? Isn't that true, right? You moved the courtroom from everything else out there, and you just moved the, that courtroom into the courtroom or the throne room of God. So now I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the court still. I'm in the court of church. If you think that the court of church is like that, you're wrong. And sometimes we do think like that. We think the courtroom of, of church opinion how I dress, what I say, what I do, how many tattoos I have, or how many tattoos I can hide, right? How people value me or see me, how I react to elders or don't react to others, how often I read my Bible or don't read my Bible, how often I pray or don't pray, that is my judgment now. I'm in the new courtroom, I'm in the same pendulum, aren't I? Right? And the answer is, if you are, then you're in the wrong courtroom. Because God doesn't take us into a courtroom, he takes us into a throne room, if you're a Christian. And as a Christian, what does, he, what does he lay down on us? Look at verse 5. What does he give to us in the courtroom? In the courtroom. Oh, in the, in the throne room. Sorry, in the throne room of God. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his what? Say it. His praise. Can you, can you put that verse up, verse 5? I need them to see it, those who don't have their Bibles. Right, there you go. At that time, each will receive his praise from God, not his judgment from God, not his finger of God pointing and saying, why didn't you do this? Each will receive his or her own praise from God. See, if you find yourself in the courtroom of church and you find yourself thinking that I don't measure up to the other church people or what church is thinking that I should do, right? you find yourself in another courtroom of your making because the throne of God is the room that says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because it's not about you. Right? The throne of God does not mean that you're, it's not, he does not see you. What he sees is his son, Jesus Christ, in you. And when you step into the throne room, he does not see the things that you say that you do or do not do. What he sees is what his son has done for you. You guys understand that? How do you get out of a courtroom? The only way you can get out of a courtroom is that sentence must be done, right? Sentencing must be done before you can get, walk out of that courtroom. And the only way you can walk out of the courtroom of public and personal and private opinion is that someone comes in and says, I will die to let them know who they are. I will die to show them their worth and their real, true value. John chapter 1 says, For those who call on the name of the Lord, he has given the right to be called children of God, children born not of human flesh or human desire, but born of the Spirit. You are the children, you are the sons and daughters of the living God, that when you stand in the courtroom of God, you are no longer judged by the things you do or have not done. You are simply seen for what Christ has done for you. You are walking in by the affiliation of Jesus Christ himself. You know what that means? 
You know what that means? That means that you don't have to worry about public or private opinion. Because you already know the opinion of your father. You don't have to worry about public and private opinion when you already know what God the Father thinks of you. It's when you do not remember what God the Father thinks of you. It's when you begin to misplace your identity again. Over and over, you will continue to misplace your identity. You know why? Because everything out there, every courtroom out there constantly changes. The throne room of God is the one place that will never change. Today's standard of beauty, right? Do you know back then, like when people think like, you know, you got to be like, um, today's standard of beauty is like you got to be muscular, you got to have the six pack, you got to have the muscles, right? Back then, that's slavery. That's slavery, right? Slaver, right? You're a slave, you're, oh man. You're a slave. Only slaves have muscles, right? People with power, people with authority, people who are in charge, they didn't have muscles. They didn't need to do anything. They told their slaves to do it. That's why the slaves needed the muscles. But beauty changed, right? Back then, you can be fat, and you're like, dude, that guy's amazing, right? Now you're fat, you're like, that guy's lazy, right? Beauty changes all the time, and you're putting yourself into a courtroom that constantly changes? Can you see why your identity is always so confused? Do you see why you're constantly going back and forth, never knowing who you really are? The throne room of God tells us one and one thing only, that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. If he says you are saved and you are his and you are saved and you are his, and it means this. It means that you can come in second, third, or last and be okay because you're not qualified by the opinions of your boss, your colleagues, your family. You are qualified only because of what Christ says you are. I, I pray for the day that my son looks at me and he now says, now, Dad, now can I have your praise? And he will look at me and says, it's all right, Dad. I know who I am. Right? I'm good. That'll be a good day. Right? But for now, <laughs> I'm his life. Right? So think about that. Think about that. Okay? The amount of money you make right now is a blip. It's a blip of a man's existence. What you look like right now, it's a blip in your own existence. So why put yourself in a courtroom that constantly changes? Why put yourself in an identity that's constantly misplaced? In the midst of living your life, would you stand before the throne room of your God and know your true identity? You are son and daughter of the living God. If he says you are this, then why are you trying to be something else? Why are you so worried about what people think of who you are? Do you guys, do you guys know why I know when you say I don't care? He said, Peter, I don't care what people think of me. I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-reliant. I don't care. The only reason why you say you don't care is you're surrounded by people technically that you feel lower than you. You might not say it, but you feel it. You know how I know this? Think about this, okay? <clears throat> when the youth group, when the seniors are seniors in their youth group, they feel pretty top of the world. They're seniors. Everyone looks up to them. Everyone wants them to be there because they have a little bit more freedom. They walk into a room. Everyone's like, yeah, seniors here. It's going to be so fun. They make things fun. They, they bring more energy. The freshmen's like, we're nobodies. Yeah, they're here. They look up to them. And all the seniors are like, yeah, that's right. That's who I am, right? I'm somebody, right? And then senior says, I don't care what people think about me, right? It's okay. I'm, I'm. And then when the freshmen ask you, like, how are you like this? Like, because I don't care. 
but they care. You know why? Because the moment they walk into the young adult group, now they're what? They're nobody, right? They're starting the bottom of the food chain again. They're like, oh, shoot, like, I can't walk around thinking I don't care. Everyone's like, oh, everyone's looking at us now, right? It changes depending on where you're at. You guys, you guys follow me? So when the moment you keep saying, I don't care, I'm self-sufficient, I'm self-reliant, the only reason why you have the audacity to say that is because you're sitting into a room that you feel superior to everyone else. But when you are in a room where you feel inferior to everyone else, that word I don't care goes out the window because now you do care. Now you care how you look. Now you care how much you make. Now you care what kind of suit you have to buy, what kind of car you have to have, how, how big the house you have to create. You care so much until you get to the top of the game and you're like, yeah, I don't care anymore. I don't care until what? You find yourself in a new room where you're at the bottom of the food chain again. You guys get me? That's life. That's, that, is the, that is the symptom of the courtroom of life. But when Paul says, I don't care what you think, I don't care what the courtroom thinks, I don't care what I think. You know why? Because he's in one place and one place only, the throne room. And that place does not change, ever. So when the God of creation says that you are precious and worthy in my eyes, I can be second and still be worthy. Yeah? When the God of creation says that you are the apple of my eye, I don't have to look like the standard of beauty today because I know the glory of beauty that's in me. See, some of you guys, ladies, if you guys don't know the glory that's in you, like I said so many times, if you were able to see who you are, the glory that God has given to you for who you really are, if you're able to actually see your glory, you would be tempted to worship yourself because that glory is unimaginable. That's real glory. But you look at the mirror and all you see is what other people see in the magazines or what you see on K-pop or what you see on TV. You judge yourself by that. You put yourself in that opinion and you're constantly running back and forth. But God says, I know the glory that's in you. And it's not about how you look because what I have, what is growing and what is deep in you is so awesome. Right? Godliness oftentimes beats vanity, guys. Oftentimes, all the time, beats vanity. Give me a godly woman over a hot woman any day, or hot to human standards, right? Godliness always wins. There's something, glory, there's something glorious about that. And if you cannot see that for yourself, you're in the wrong courtroom. You place yourself in the wrong courtroom. Get out of it. Your identity is in Christ. So in your distracted life, how do you make room for Jesus? God is your evaluator, not the world. Not the people around you. God is. And the question is, what is my identity? When you begin to find yourself in the pendulum swing, have I made it? The question is, what is my identity? When you begin to ask yourself the question, do I make enough money to justify my life? Ask yourself the question, what is my identity? When you find yourself in a place where you're thinking, I'm not as smart as so-and-so, why? Go back to your identity. When you find yourself at a higher position, making all that money, becoming powerful or rich and famous, having all the honor in the world, ask yourself the question, what is my identity? Is this it? Okay? Go back to your identity. Stop fixing the issue by going from one courtroom to the next. Go to the very core of the issue, your identity. Let that be your changing force. Let's pray.